You're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. This is the third week in our series called Planted. 2023 is going to be a year of growth. But in order for things to grow, they must be planted. And the same is true for us in our spiritual growth. If we want to grow spiritually, we must be planted in God and the things of God. Our theme verse for this series are Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8, which say, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Now, how many of us want to remain green even when the heat of life comes? How many of us want to continue to bear fruit even when the droughts of life come? None of us want to spiral downward into fear and anxiety when life starts getting messy. We want to stand strong and steadfast in our faith. And God's word promises us that when we trust in him, when we are planted in him, then that can be our reality. And so we're learning what it means to be planted. We're using the real world plant life cycle as a tool to help us understand how things grow because people are not all that different from plants when it comes to our own spiritual growth. It's a process with a beginning and an end that repeats in a cycle. So we've learned over the past two weeks that we all start out like seeds, seeds that contain the kingdom of God, which is just waiting to grow in and out of us. You have the kingdom of God inside of you. Never, ever forget that. But that kingdom potential is locked up. It remains dormant and cannot be unleashed until we're planted and begin to, to germinate. Spiritual germination then is equivalent to salvation. Because it's when we've been planted in faith in God, watered by the living water, Jesus Christ, and indwelt with the Holy Spirit that we begin to grow. And it's our responsibility to make sure we are in a suitable environment for growth and that we're nourishing our environment so that God can grow us. And so this brings us to the third phase of the plant life cycle, growth, which is our focus for today. This is the phase where roots, they're still growing deep into the soil, and shoots are making their way up to the surface, but then finally break out of the ground and into the light. And this phase of growth is all about maturation, growing from infancy into maturity. And it's this growth and the conditions of growth that will determine the longevity and fruitfulness of the plant. Our phase of growth as followers of Jesus is the same. It's all about setting deep roots, growing from infancy to maturity, spiritual formation, or what the Bible calls sanctification. And the quality of our spiritual formation, it determines our longevity and fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. I mean, the reason we plant ourselves to begin with is so that something will grow. And growth is such a big and important part of being a follower of Jesus. And so we're talking about growth, and the title of today's message is Growth is expected. Growth is expected. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you desire for us to grow. And we thank you that you give us everything that we need in order to flourish and to grow and to prosper. 
We pray that you'd help us to do our part, what we're required to do, so God, you can do what you can do. Would you bless our time? Lead us by your word. Lead us by your truth this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When, uh, when Annette and I were first married, we attempted to plant a garden. We were actually very successful in planting a garden and, and grew several different kinds of vegetables, bell peppers, eggplants, tomatoes, squash, even some herbs or herbs, as our British friends like to say. But shortly after planting our garden, we got a puppy. And shortly, shortly after getting that puppy, it destroyed our garden. And we were so sad and discouraged that we just kind of gave up on gardening. You know, we didn't want to start something and risk it being destroyed all over again. And so we left our raised garden beds and, and herb boxes alone and just let them dry out. And I think for me, that's when my green thumb dried out too. Plants and I, we just don't get along. Now, while we were successful in growing several different kinds of vegetables and herbs, I, I remember there was one plant that just didn't want to cooperate with us. It was this green onion plant. We started it, but it just never grew, never popped up out of the soil. And so you can imagine my surprise a couple of years later when we were moving and I was dumping out our dried up herb boxes, but just below the surface of the soil was this green onion bulb and a shoot of green onion was growing out of it. It seems that while the green onion was planted, it did start to germinate, but it just, it never grew. And since it never grew, it also never fulfilled its purpose to one day be this nice flavor addition or garnish to a home cooked meal. You see, when you plant something, there's this expectation for it to grow. And not to just grow a little, never breaking through the surface of the ground, but to grow and mature to its full potential and fulfill its intended purpose. And if we are planted in God, if we are rooted in Jesus, then growth is expected. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, Paul explains that the purpose of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers that Jesus gives the church um, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, growing to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The, the reason Jesus gave his church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, is to help his church grow and mature in their faith so that they become more like him. Because when you plant something, there's an expectation for it to grow. And so Jesus expects us to grow in our faith, to grow from infancy to maturity, to no longer be children in our thinking, but mature, to move on from milk to solid food. These are all just phrases we read in scripture about the expectation of growth. Now the question is, do you have the same expectation of growth that Jesus has for you? Now I'm assuming that you do because you're here. I'm assuming you're taking time out of your weekend to submit to a shepherd and a teacher and to the word of God so that you can mature into the fullness of Christ. But if growth isn't your expectation, then why are you here? And so growth is expected. And this growth that all Christians are expected to experience, the Bible calls sanctification. Sanctification. Theologian and professor Wayne Grudem, he defines sanctification as a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. 
And, and the first thing to notice from this definition, we're going to break it down, uh, is, is that sanctification is progressive, meaning it's not instantaneous. You know what? No plant on planet Earth can go from seed to mature plant instantaneously. That would be amazing, right? but that's just not possible. And neither can people in God's kingdom. Right? Our spiritual growth is progressive. It's a process. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul, even though he was this amazing man of God, he was very transparent in his writing that he was not sinless and that he was still growing in his faith, pressing on toward the goal. And earlier in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul instructs Christians to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What this means for us is that we can all take a breath right now and we can all be thankful that we don't have to have it all figured out right here, right now. And God still loves us and accepts us. Right? Our growth, our sanctification is progressive. The, the second thing to notice from this definition of sanctification is that it is a partnership between God and us. It's a partnership. We, we talked quite a bit about this last week when we talked about the two realms of responsibility when it comes to spiritual growth, right? God's realm of responsibility and ours. God is ultimately the one who does the growing, but we play a part in making sure we are planted in an environment that's suitable for growth and that we are nourishing our environment for growth. Or as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, right? Man's responsibility, but God gave the growth. And, and this should be so encouraging to us too because God doesn't leave us to figure out this sanctification thing on our own. He doesn't leave us to work out our sanctification in our own strength and power, but through this partnership, he gives us everything we need to grow and live godly lives, which is exactly what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says, His divine, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So this is another take a breath moment because not only do you not have to have everything figured out right here, right now, you also don't have to figure it out on your own because it's a partnership. And then the, the third thing to notice from this definition of sanctification is that it's purifying, purifying. Now, through the initial work of sanctification that happens right when we're saved, and then our continued partnership with God, through all of that, we are set free from sin. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 22, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, and its end eternal life. And just a few verses before this, in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, Paul says, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Some of us especially need to hear that this morning. Sin no longer has dominion over you. You are free from it. And this is a game changer, right? Imagine trying to run and win a race, but you've got a 50-pound ball and chain shackled around your ankle. No way. Well, because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we've been set free from the ball and chain called sin, and we can run freely towards the finish line. You have been set free from sin, and sin has no dominion over you anymore. Now, are we still going to sin? Yes, 
because sanctification and its purifying effects are progressive. But when we do sin, we don't have to lose all hope that we'll never finish the race. Right? And because of God's free gift of grace over us, we should want to stop sinning. And we have the power to say no to sin. We can remember the freedom and forgiveness we have. We can keep running towards the goal. Sanctification is purifying. And lastly, sanctification is, am I going to get a fourth P out of it? You better believe it. Sanctification is personifying. It's per- personifying. Meaning, through this progressive partnership of purifying sanctification, we personify or become more and more like Jesus in our own lives and to the world around us. Okay, listen. Never in the history of agriculture and horticulture or botany has a plant produced a seed that grew into a completely different species of plant. Right? When I plant an apple seed in the ground, an apple tree will grow and produce apples, which contain apple seeds, that will grow more apple trees. This is by God's design. And we read that in Genesis this past week in our growth groups as part of the the Bible engagement project. Well, when God created humans, he created them in his image, meaning that when we grow, the expectation is that we will grow into his likeness and not something else. But because of sin and iniquity, Our ability to properly grow and bear the image of God is hindered. In fact, I learned recently that the root word for the word iniquity, it means to bend. Like a tree or a plant that is unnaturally bent and growing in the wrong direction rather than growing upwards towards the sun. And that's what sin, iniquity does to us in our growth. But sanctification, it corrects this bending and causes us to not only grow upwards towards the sun again, but to grow into the likeness of the Son again. Like we read earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, the goal of our growing, and that's something that you should think about. What is your goal of growing? But the goal of our growing is to grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And also in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I'm so thankful that we have the Gospels. Because within them, we get to see the image of Jesus. We have an example in his living for us to model and imitate in our own lives throughout our sanctification. And so sanctification is personifying. It's purifying. It's a partnership. And it's progressive. And this is what Christian living is all about. It's natural and normal for things to grow when they are planted in a good environment and are being nourished for growth. Nature reflects this truth perfectly, and this carries over into our own spiritual growth too. But what is not natural and normal is for something to be planted and to not grow, to not transform from a seed into a seedling and eventually into a mature plant. What is not natural for a Christian is to remain an infant their whole lives, to only consume milk when they should have matured and moved on to solid food. And so you know what question is coming, right? What question I'm going to ask next. Are you growing? Are you moving from infancy to maturity? 
Are you still hiding just below the surface of the ground? Or have you sprout up out of the ground and are you growing upwards towards the sun? Do you see a difference in your life from when you first became a Christian to now? Are you pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? Growth is expected. But another good question then is, how do I know if I'm growing? How do I know if I'm maturing? There should be signs, right? I mean, think about it. You look different in the mirror when you were 25 than you do when you're 40. Okay, most people don't want to admit that, but you've got more gray hairs, more wrinkles, and much of the world is bent on stopping this aging process and preventing those marks of maturity from giving away their age, right? But listen, for the Christians, we should want marks of maturity in our lives. We should want to look aged and matured as followers of Jesus. And so how do we know? Well, again, this is not something that we have to guess or or try to figure out on our own. God tells us in his word what the marks of maturity are in a believer's life. He he tells us in many places in scripture, um, but let's look at just one passage. And so let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to read from verse 9 all the way to 21. And and as we read, what I want you to do um, is ask this question, reflect, do you bear these marks of maturity in your own life? All right, so this is Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Paul says, let love be genuine. Abhor or hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, for as it is as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so here's what we can do with with passages like this. Um, We can let it read us. God's word isn't something that we just read, but we should let it read us. Search my heart, O God, King David said. We should look at these words of God and let them search us, reveal to us whether or not our love is genuine, whether or not we're outdoing other people and showing honor whether or not we're contributing to the needs of the saints and, and showing hospitality and so on and so forth. And if scripture reveals that some of these marks of maturity aren't present in our lives, we don't need to feel shame or guilt or condemnation. No, we should feel motivation to grow, to keep continuing in the progress of sanctification. Listen, let your age, let your maturity as a Christian show. Don't hide it. 
boast in it, not because of your work, but because of God's work in you. But one of the things that this passage shows us is that sanctification affects the whole person. The whole person. Not just the mind, not just the spirit, but the whole person. Now, um, I'm going to go through these quickly because we're running out of time. But, but here are the different areas in our lives that sanctification affects and some su- supporting verses that you can look up later. So there they are up on the screen. And I'll give you a hint. You can take a picture of the very last slide because it has all of these together. All right, so sanctification affects the whole person. And, and the first uh, effect of sanctification is on our intellect. On our intellect. Colossians 3, verse 10, Philippians 1, verse 9, and, and you can see all of those there. Right, but we often read in Scripture about our minds being renewed right, and needing our minds to be renewed, our, our intellect. Growth and sanctification, it will also affect our emotions. Sanctification affects our will, the things that we do or don't do. Sanctification growth affects our spirit, the, the non-physical part of our beings. And finally, what I think is very interesting is is sanctification affects our physical bodies even, and the supporting verses for those are way more than all the other ones. Our sanctification affects our physical bodies. Now, I don't, I don't have to have time to go into more detail on all of these, but this would be a great practice in your own personal devotion to read through these verses and see how has my intellect, my emotions, my will, my spirit, my body changed since I've become a follower of Jesus, and where do I need to to and rather get to grow more and it's not that we have to grow it's we get to grow do you know how incredible of a gift that is that God would give us everything we need to become better to grow and mature that's an incredible gift it's not that we have to it's we get to right because growth is expected and there should be signs marks of growth in our lives but here's what I want to end with um, this last thing I want to share, um, we, can, we can look at as like an accelerant or a fertilizer to growth. Yes, th- things can grow naturally in the world with proper environment and nourishment. Right? When you plant a garden, you don't have to add fertilizer to it, and your plants will grow. They'll probably grow just fine. But if you've ever added fertilizer to your garden, then you know the power it has to accelerate and enhance growth. Now, I know also that it's possible to add too much fertilizer, and it can have a negative effect on the environment. I get that, all right? But there is a fertilizer in the kingdom of God that can accelerate our spiritual growth that has no ill effects. You can't add too much of this fertilizer to your life, and it will only ever have a positive impact on your environment. Okay, do you want to hear what it is? Are you sure? Because sometimes when people discover that manure, poop, is a really good fertilizer, they're like, ewey, no thank you, I'll try something else. And sometimes this fertilizer in the kingdom of God is not taken seriously. But it really is the best fertilizer for spiritual growth. All right, you ready to hear what it is? All right. The best fertilizer for spiritual growth in the kingdom of God is obedience. Obedience. Even more so than coming to church, even more so than reading your Bible, even more so than praying, even though more so than, than, you know, other things that we consider duties as, as followers of Jesus, right? Those are all good and important, but even more than those things, obedience is the greatest fertilizer, the greatest catalyst for spiritual growth in your life. All throughout Scripture, 
Too many scriptures and instances for us to read in one sitting right now. But we can read about the fruit of obedience. That when we obey God's commands, good things grow in our lives. But one of my favorite passages of scripture is John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. We won't read it today, but in that passage, Jesus is talking about how he is the vine. And God the Father is the vine dresser. And and we are the branches that are attached to the vine. And the word that Jesus says over and over again in that passage is the word abide, which means to remain, stay, continue with, dwell, to last or persist. And to me, all of that sounds a lot like being planted. And Jesus is saying that if you abide, remain, stay grafted, stay planted in him, then you will bear much fruit. You will grow. But there's a condition to all of this abiding and growing and bearing fruit. Because in John chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, if you obey me, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And this connection between obedience and abiding and growing and bearing fruit is echoed elsewhere in Jesus' words in Scripture. In the chapter just before this, in John 14, Jesus says a couple of times, in a couple different ways, that if we love him, then we'll keep his commandments. If we love him, we'll keep his words. And in Matthew chapter 7, after Jesus preaches his sermon on the mount, he closes his sermon saying that everyone who hears his words and does them will be like the wise men who built his house on the rock. And then Jesus' half-brother, James, he echoes this in his letter, saying, be doers of the word and not just hearers. And I can go on with verse after verse all, all about obedience. You know, last week we talked about two things that we can take responsibility for to ensure that God can grow us. And I said that we talk about the third one this week. Well, this is it. Obedience is the third one. Obedience is our responsibility. Nobody can make you obey, and it leads to incredible growth in a believer's life. Just like growth is expected if someone is planted in Jesus, obedience is also expected. Uh, I recently heard a newer version, or I'm sorry, a, a newer worship song where the opening words of the song goes like this. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. And at first when I heard the song, I thought, man, well, it's catchy, but also what a bold thing to put in a worship song. Obedience and our happiness being rooted in obedience to Jesus, that, that's not something we really sing about much these days, is it? And I thought, you know what, this sounds more like something sung in an old school hymn. That's what our grandparents would sing about, but not, not in a modern worship song. We don't sing about obeying Jesus. And sure enough, when I did a little research, that's exactly what it is. There's an old hymn written in the late 1800s during the great revivals that took place around D.L. Moody's ministry called Trust and Obey. And the opening verse and refrain, it goes like this. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. 
And the, the rest of the song, it goes on to sing about the blessing and fruitfulness of obedience. Man, it's a really great hymn. But what's most shocking to me is that I would think and I would reflect on the fact that we don't sing about topics like obedience today. That obedience somehow is not suitable or, or doesn't fit in with our modern tastes and sensibilities of, of worship music. Or that obedience is some kind of relic from the past. And unfortunately, that new worship song I originally heard, it, it proves my point. Because the rest of the song, it's, it's all about trusting the Lord, but it doesn't say very much more about obeying him. And yes, while it is important, so important to trust in the Lord, that's what our theme verse talks about, right? But, but trust falls short if it doesn't carry through into obedience. Trust falls short if it doesn't carry through into obedience. If we say, I trust you, God, but we don't express that trust by actually following him and keeping his commandments, then do we really trust him? If we truly trust God, if we truly love and abide and say we are planted in Jesus, then we will obey him. And when we trust and obey, it acts like this powerful fertilizer in our lives. We'll grow. We'll produce good fruit. The kingdom of God will burst out of us and into the world for God's glory and the good of those around us. So, in what ways is God calling you to obedience? What is God asking you to do? How is God asking you to trust and obey him? You know, maybe you felt stuck in certain areas of your life. Maybe you felt stagnant or like your growth is stunted. And I, I, I know I have been there before. You know, maybe your marriage is not what it should be or your devotional life is not what it should be. Maybe you feel distant from God or like your, your efforts in, in trying to, to pursue um, the things of God. Maybe just it's not producing anything in your life. Well, I'm going to take a leap. And I'm going to say maybe you feel stunted and stagnant because you're missing the fertilizer. Maybe God has said you need to do this, but you've not followed through in obedience. I promise you, if you submit to the Lord, if you not only trust him, but follow through and obey him, you won't feel stuck or stunted anymore. You'll see the growth that you've been wanting, that good fruit you've been wanting actually produce in your life. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And so obedience is like fertilizer for growth in the kingdom of God. Growth is expected in a believer's life. And we're all on this progressive journey, partnering with God to be purified of sin and personifying or becoming more and more like Jesus. We're all being sanctified. And as such, we should all bear the marks of maturity in our lives. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you.